0: hello and welcome to the korean beauty show podcast i'm your host lauren lee k-beauty expert founder of korean beauty brand Co, and the founder of style story where you can shop learn and explore the world of korean skincare Welcome back to part two of my analysis on the Korean beauty industry for 2023, but also going into 2024. Now, if you didn't tune into last week's episode, which was part one, I would suggest going back and doing that just to get a little bit more of a context because this is kind of going to continue on from what we were talking about last week. Uh, So if you haven't done that, go back in your podcast feed and just listen to that one and then I'll, I'll see you back here soon. So for everyone else that already did that, welcome back. Uh, and what I really was uh, talking about last week was some of the main trends and we covered things like sustainability, vegan beauty and how those two have been quite successfully linked. In the Korean beauty industry and certainly in the domestic market here in Korea by a lot of different brands. We also ran through clean beauty and a look back at some of the things that have defined clean beauty as a trend and a category in the last few years and why it's not going to be going away anytime soon. So I wanted to just uh, grow on some of those a little bit more or go into a little bit more detail about more of what we will be seeing in the industry. Now, a lot of people might not even realize that this next trend that I'm going to talk about is a trend, but it certainly has been a very defining part of the industry in 2023. It's not a new trend by any measure, uh, and it's not a trend without its issues, but let's jump into it, and that is sun care. So sun care is really trending at the moment in Korean beauty. If you've spent any time on the clock app or the other, social media channels, uh, you will have seen people raving about or people advertising. Certainly, I've seen seen—I've seen more advertising probably than I've seen organic content, but there is no doubt that uh, sun care and Korean uh, sunscreens in particular are really, really trending at the moment. There's a lot of different reasons for this. I think one of the big ones, apart from the fact that there are so many people marketing them, uh, you know, influencers and brands and whatnot, is that there's... There are some regulations, and I'm thinking of America in particular when I talk about this, that are the opposite of innovation. So, a little bit of context there. America has a particular regime when it comes to sun care products, much like Australia, where I'm from, where they are regulated as drugs. In Australia, the technical term for those is therapeutic goods. But for all intents and purposes, we're talking about drugs. And the FDA regime FDA regime rather, requires uh, that, you know, because they are drugs, they only use certain filters uh, for the UVA and UVB protection that have been uh, given the green flag by the FDA. And for whatever reason uh, that I am not really au fait with, the FDA has not approved any New sunscreen filters since the 90s. I believe one of the reasons is that they require, uh, you know, proof to be submitted uh, of the suitability of the filter. But that whole process, from what I know, is just very expensive and time-consuming, as it is in Australia. So Australia's TGA is not quite that bad, but Australia has. Arguably, some of uh, some of the most, if not the most stringent regulations for sunscreens in the world. So, because of that, I think consumers generally, you know, are hungry for newness. They're hungry for uh, products that are doing something different to what they can already access, and something different from what's already available on the market. So, for that reason, I think it is appealing to them that are there are so many new uh, sunscreens coming onto the market here in Korea that use different filters that have different consistencies and finishes to the products that they are able to easily access. And I mean, even in places like the Middle East, I was shocked to see how many people were using and relying on Korean uh, sunscreens there, Uh, just because I can guarantee you that they haven't been tested for those local conditions either. Uh, And I have spoken about and received a lot of flack for my opinion that, you know, I don't actually use Korean sunscreens myself when I'm in Australia, just because of of the different uh, climate uh, and UV that you are um, subjected to when you were in Australia and that, you know, you need to use something fit for purpose. And because the products are produced here, by and large for the local market, that is changing and we'll get on to that, uh, that, you know, I just as a very, very fa- a fair person that is really prone to getting a lot of sun damage. Let's face it, it's damage. It's not just cosmetic, it's actual damage uh, that I prefer to use uh, products that have gone through the, te- the local testing regime in Australia. That is apparently apparently controversial. I'm not sure why. Um, But when I shared that last time on the clock app, uh, it went a bit nuts, Um, you know, and people were like, everything from that I was racist for having that view, which that's a logical leap, but there you go, uh, to, you know, basically just saying that they disagree, which is fine. Like, you don't have to agree with me. That's just my personal opinion. But anyway, sun care in general is a really, really big trend. And there has been research done by research and market that the global sun care market is forecast to grow 8.7% annually by 2030. So, I mean, gosh, it's basically 2020 24. So, in not too long, this market is just going to continue to grow. And as you would expect, Korea's leading manufacturers of sun care products want to get in on the action. And why not? If it's going to be growing, then it makes sense to invest in it. So the biggest player at the moment in Korea's sun care market is Colmar Korea, and they are a very famous. ODM OEM that makes uh, products for a lot of different companies including foreign companies as well Uh, if you go and have a look on their website you can get a peek at their client list but they are manufacturing for a lot of big players in the global beauty industry Uh, and that means that they have invested heavily in research as well and they actually have 50 sun care patents uh, like new ones at the moment as well so sunscreen sales accounted for 31% 31% of their second quarter's performance in 2023. Uh, and like I mentioned, they've got a 70% market share. So this is the big player, Colmar Korea. Uh, and if you turn your products over, uh, if they are sold in the domestic Korean market, they are required to list uh, the manufacturer. So they will tell you who it was made by. You don't sort of have to guess. Uh, if you can read Hangul, you'll be able to very, very clearly see where it says Chejoopte or something to that effect. That will be the person that made the the, the product. Uh, The other big player in the market is Cosmax uh, and they have actually recently developed a new sunscreen formulation that is tapping into this trend for people that like a more sheer finish and a more transparent finish. So their line is called Capsule Sun and they have got technical patents for this line so they're going to be rolling that out. It's basically just a different way of manufacturing um, the sunscreen itself and injecting oil into the aqueous phase with the Use of emulsifiers, that's how they're making the product. The newest player. And by no means new, but newer than the other two is Cosmeca Korea. And they are a bit of a latecomer to the industry, but not in uh, only to Suncare. They've been doing a lot of other things. They are very big, well-known, uh, and well-regarded manufacturer here in Korea. And they have uh, indicated their intention, their CEO, I, I believe it was their CEO, uh, the head, the head of Cosmeca, has actually come out recently and sort of said that they are going to be focusing on inorganics sunscreens, that's where their R&D attentions will be focused because they see that as a potential growth area. So why is sun care growing? Like it can't all just be a marketer's thing, you know, because you can market anything you want, but if there's not a market there to buy it, then, you know, there's sort of no point and there's certainly no growth. So I think that there are some really good reasons. One of the reasons is that a lot of people are talking more, particularly in the older generations, about the sun damage that they have experienced because of not using sunscreen in their earlier years. And this is really widely talked about, certainly in Australia. Like the old gen older generation in Australia used to sit out in the sun and baste themselves in baby oil basically like a turkey and just lay out on the beach and sort of like rotate around like a rotisserie chicken and if you have a look at the older generation in Australia no shade to them but you can kind of see that Uh, particularly because a lot of people uh, a lot of Australians do not have the type of complexion that should be basting in any sun let alone the Australian sun so you can see all of that in the the skin issues the damage that they are experiencing and worst of all skin cancer. So Australia has the highest rate of skin cancer in the world. And uh, that's not just because, you know, our, our sunscreens are no good or anything, which I've seen some people try and suggest on social media, which just makes me laugh. It's because the UV hits differently in Australia. So Australia just has very different conditions. And unfortunately, a lot of our population was not bred and raised to be in that kind of sun unless you are one of our uh you know people that has lived in Australia for you know that your your generations go back 80,000 years or something like that chances are you arrived in the country on a boat circa 200 years ago or earlier so we haven't had the same amount of time as um you know, um, our, our native Australians to actually adapt to the conditions there. So, that's a really big reason. So, that's being talked about a lot more. You know, I just think that that is a conversation in other countries as well, maybe not Europe to the same extent. Um, uh, but, you know, I think it's it's more talked about. People are l- more interested than ever before in taking care of their skin. Social media plays a really big part in that. You know, I've mentioned that when I was a teenager, teenager and suffered from really terrible cystic acne. It wasn't cool to take care of your skin. Like nobody that I knew of had a routine, or if they did, they certainly weren't talking about it, bragging about it, taking pictures of it. It was pretty embarrassing for me that I had to like go to a dermatologist, and like I knew the other acne kids as well. Like so we would, there was one dermatologist back in the day where, where in my hometown who was very very famous, uh, and you know <laughs> quite a few of my friends that had acne and. I like went to the same dermatologist and it was. That was not cool back then. That was like so embarrassing. You know, like we were the kids that got picked on because we had bad skin. Certainly nobody was asking us, like, what do you put on your skin? So the whole conversation around skincare has definitely changed in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And I think sun care, you know, the saying goes that there's no better skincare product that you can buy for your skin than sunscreen. And I honestly think that's true. Like the, the sheer amount of damage that you will do to your skin from not wearing sunscreen. None of the anti-aging serums in the world will be able to repair that damage. Uh, So, you know, it's your number one line of defense against the most severe type of skin damage. And particularly if you are taking medication, uh, you know, for skin issues. That's the number one thing the dermatologists will tell you. Uh, and also if you are using retinols, which let's face it, a lot of people are these days, those two go hand in hand. You are, should not be under any circumstances using retinol without using sunscreen. So I think this conversation has sort of developed a lot more and that's why we're seeing this as a global trend. Now, I kind of touched on this, but I do think that the biggest hurdle to Korea and Korean Beauty's plans to dominate the global sun care industry will be regulatory hurdles, uh, just because the regulations are different in different countries. Uh, and so, for, for example, in Australia, the product actually needs to be tested in a lab uh, that is, has been given the tick of approval by the TGA. Well, that's not the case for most of the Korean labs or any of the Korean labs, I don't think. Uh, and that's why korean sunscreens aren't legally able to be sold in australia but that will be a re- uh, the regulations will be a hurdle uh, certainly the american regulations are a big hurdle because you're basically going back in time how many years ago was the 90s i feel like it was just 10 years ago but i'm, I'm aware it's not a long time ago to comply with really out of date regulations. And I don't know how many companies are like developing cutting edge sun care technology that's worthy of a patent that want to be manufacturing to those standards. But that is a- going to be a big hurdle. Like if-, if the companies are looking to actually uh, export this technology, they're going to have to take that into account. But I think we can expect to see this grow. Uh, and certainly the popularity of Korean sunscreens in the market generally does not seem to be waning at all. If anything, it's gaining more and more traction and at the end of the day I know it might not sound like it sometimes but I do agree that any sunscreen is better than no sunscreen so if you have a sunscreen product that you are in love with that you will keep using then that is the perfect sunscreen for you because you do need to be wearing it every day and if you're the kind of person that gets really oily or gets you know like I do I break out in dermatitis at the drop of a hat so it's really important to find a formula that you can work with. Uh, And, you know, whether that is a Korean one, whether that's an Australian one, whether it's a European one, Japanese, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. The important part is to actually wear it. But this is a trend that is not going away anywhere soon. Uh, So that is my prediction. We're going to see more sunscreens in 2024 uh, and, you know, updated uh, technology as well. Uh, More companies are going to be jumping in on this, trying to get patents. It's obviously a lot easier for the more established, the bigger uh, manufacturers to do all of this because they've already got the factories all set up. They've got research teams right there ready on the cutting edge. But mark my words, we're going to see more of this in 2024. So I'm going to wrap it up today uh, for our, our focus on trends. I'm going to be back next week in your ears talking about trending ingredients. So if you love a, an ingredient episode, if you love a little bit of a deep dive, and I will have a look into what we're going to be seeing more of as well. Uh, come back for next week because that's what we're going to be chatting about in the meantime i will see you on style story